Good morning, everyone. Glad that you are here. A um, couple of things to uh, just think about the family that we were trying to address that I forgot to share with Richard before was um, Doug Kelly, Donna Claire, and Doug, who are with the uh, the ministry worldwide that goes to India. Uh, India. Um, he's been in the hospital since um, that happened Thursday, I think. Um, so they're just still running a lot of tests and trying to figure things out. But just remember them when you pray and as she's, they're trying to make decisions and how to handle that. So do remember them. Uh, Prudent Baptist Church, our association has partnered with them. They've got a building that's um, pretty um, old and we're trying to uh, raise money and, and material and we're going to be... Uh, it's not just New Horizon, but about 30 churches have come together. We want to try to replace windows and electrical and do some work on their porch and just doing some stuff to try to help that pastor and that family up there. Okay, so that's what that's about with Prudent. So just keep them in mind, and you'll be hearing more about them as we try to uh, partner along to try to help that church. Okay. Um, it, it is time for um, children's church, but don't let your children go yet because I just want to make an announcement. We're going to, as starting next week, we're going to do children's church a little bit different. Um, Christine and whoever is helping her uh, that week, we've got a pretty good rotation going right now, and, and Christine and whoever's helping her is going to be in the foyer waiting on your kids. As the students get here, then if you want them to go to children's church, they will go at the beginning of service. So, You'll bring them to them, and then they'll carry them over. Um, the security team's going to allow them to know when the worship is beginning. When the worship is beginning, the students are going to come back here, and they're going to join you all, your family, their family, during the worship time. And then that way they're here with you when we exit, okay? We feel like that's a safer and better plan uh, than what we've been doing. So, um, so, And then they get to be with their family during the worship time, okay? So with that being said, we're not starting that today, obviously. We wanted to begin to talk about it. So I uh, thank Christine and uh, I think uh, Gwen. Gwen is helping her. Where's Gwen? Gwen, you got to move. <laughs> all right, Gwen is all right, guys. Our mission at oh, we still got more coming. It is all right, guys. Our mission is to bring glory to God. By loving Him the most, by loving others as Jesus has loved us, by making disciples of all nations. Our vision to accomplish that is to have a clear pathway for people to love God the most, for them to love others as Jesus has loved them, and for them to be disciple makers. And we believe we accomplish that through community that begins right here in this service where that you and I get to come together and enjoy each other, celebrate man, celebrate what God is doing in our lives, we get to uh, come together and hear from His Word and then respond in worship. And I thought about how the different ways, what looks like in response may be very different from every week. You know, you may be repenting of something uh, 
You may be believing in something more than you ever have. You may be growing in your trust in something. God may be calling you to obey something. But it's in our time of worship that I think the most important part is how each of us respond to Him. And maybe it's just in thanksgiving and worship. But that we respond to Him in some way in every service. So we do that in here, but then there's, uh, there's life groups or Sunday school groups that are smaller where you study together, you're known and cared for. And then I believe there's even smaller groups of three to five of the same gender where that you hold each other accountable and maybe talk about things that you wouldn't normally talk about because I believe personally that what is held inside of us, Satan rules. What is spoken out, what is spoken out, God brings healing and freedom in. So I believe in those groups and then going to the nation. Title of today's message is this. How did Israel miss Jesus? Question number two, though, is this. How do good people miss Israel? How did Israel miss Jesus? And how do good people miss Jesus? How do good people miss Jesus? Look with me at the end of chapter 9, verses 30 through 33 to begin with. And what shall we say then? The Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as if it were based on works, they have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. You see, the Jews had the law clearly written for them. The Jews had the temple plan clearly laid out for them. The Jews had a sacrificial, sacrificial system clearly given to them. The Gentiles did not. According to Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, the, the Gentiles had an outline of the law on their conscience. The Gentiles obtained righteousness because they did not pursue it by, by the law, but by what? Faith. What is faith? It is trusting and believing in the plan that God has laid out. Turning to that and receiving that. The Jews missed obtaining righteousness because they pursued it through the law. Trying to create their own righteousness, not accepting the gift that Jesus had for them. They were creating their own. You see, those who knew the most, the Jews, did not come to God. Those who knew the least, the Gentiles, did come to God. Think about it like this. Think about this story. You remember the story of the prodigal son? He said, Dad, I want my inheritance. And the dad said, okay. And then he went and he done unthinkable things with his dad's inheritance, spent it in every way imaginable in an unrighteous kind of way. Spent all that he had, lost everything that he had, ended up homeless and a wreck, hungry, 
and would have eaten what the pigs were eating. But then came to himself. Came to himself and realized, man, my father's servants have more to eat than I do. And headed home. And as he was headed home, the father seen him before he seen the father. And he come running out to him. And when he come running out to him, man, he hugged him, he embraced him, he blessed him, he greeted him with mercy, grace, love, welcomed him with peace, favor from the Father. His life had been a mess, but now he's turned to God and received the gift of righteousness. Right? It's kind of what the Gentiles happened to them. Living a crazy life. Not really knowing the law, not really practicing the law, not really understanding it, but yet come to themselves and come to Christ. Think with me about the older brother. We focus on the prodigal son some, but we don't focus on the older brother much. The older brother didn't ask for his inheritance. The older brother never left home. The older brother did everything right at home. The older brother served and served well. The older brother really was seeking righteousness not as a gift, but as something he deserved, something he was earning. It's noted in his attitude toward his brother. He did not want his brother to be celebrated or receive this kind of love from his father. You see, people who are moral and religious struggle to acknowledge their own sin. The older brother couldn't see his own sin. The older brother thought he had done everything right and good and that he deserved a party like his brother was getting who didn't deserve it. He couldn't see it. There's a psalm that I pray from time to time that um, is special. It says this, They flatter themselves so much that they can't see nor hate their own sin. And I pray that prayer like this. God, never allow me to flatter myself so much that I can't see my own sin. God, allow me to see the sin that's against you in my life. But the Jewish people was a group of people that flattered themselves so much in the laws that they kept and the practices and the rituals so much they couldn't see their own sin. In reality, because they didn't live it by faith, what they were doing was sinning and justifying it by the works they done. If we're not careful, we'll end up in that same boat. But as we continue to think about the older brother, they have a smugness, a condescending attitude toward others, as the older brother did. He said, my brother's not worthy of that party. He's not worthy of that mercy. He's not worthy of that grace. He's not worthy of that love. He ought to be made to be the lowest servant until he earns his way back, really is what he was saying. And he didn't see his own sin. Because like the Jews, they worked so hard at keeping the law, they thought that God owed them something. And the older brother thought, the Jew, that the father owed him something. Therefore, Jesus was a stumbling block to the Jews. 
They were going to be accepted by what God, by the law they were keeping, and they did not need someone to die for their sins because in their eyes, they did not have sins worthy of someone dying for them. Do you think about that statement for just a moment? This is why they killed Jesus, right? Because the Jews thought, man, we don't need someone to die for us. We need somebody to take us out from underneath the leadership of Rome. We don't need, we don't have sin. Our sin's being taken care of by the laws we're keeping, by the sacrifices we're offering. We don't need God to send somebody to die for us. You know, an interesting story, interesting fact about the older brother. Did you know this? That the story ends and it never tells that the older brother ever made it to the party. He was invited. He was welcome. But it doesn't tell us he went. Wow. Wow. What was it? A stone that we're stumbling over? We're stumbling over a stone that the gospel is so simple and so easy and that you're willing to have it, that it's willing to be received, but yet you're saying, I don't need it, I don't want it, I'm good enough. Well, let's think about it this way. You say, well, none of us are Jews. They may be a Jewish background in the house, I don't know. But you say, none of us don't practice that religion, Chris. Well... Let's think about it this way. Let's think about it as the American morals. Let's think about some American morals that we have. Some unwritten laws that makes us good people. Have a job. Have a job. Don't just have a job, but be a good employee. Faithful to your job. Faithful to your family. Be a good spouse, a good parent, a good child. Provide well. A good neighbor, a good citizen. You keep all the laws except the traffic laws, and then you all judge those who keep them. I know you. I know you. When somebody literally is doing the speed limit, you fuss. I know you. Yeah. Let's continue the American morals. Patriotic. Maybe you attend a church. Maybe you volunteer for a nonprofit in your community. Maybe you take care of the stuff that you have and are thankful for it. It's all good stuff, right? All of these are good things. There's not anything wrong with anything in that list. All of those are good things. The law was not bad. The law was good. God gave the law. The temple was good. The law was good. The sacrificial system was good. It was all good. The list I just gave is good. But when you and I 
are depending on those things and are trusting on those things to make us right with God, we're going to be like the older brother who's left out of the party. When you and I don't see that we need the Savior, you and I is going to be left out. When we continue to say, long as I do this, and long as I'm this, and as long as I'm that, I'm going to make it. Guys, you and I have a debt we could not pay. And Jesus paid it all. You realize the first message that Jesus preached was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You say, why would you make that transition? Because a lot of times we think about repentance only being from sin. But the reality is, is that what Paul has called us to is not only repent from that lifestyle that's destroying us, but he's also calling on people to repent from them believing that their self-righteousness is going to make them right from God. He's calling on them to repent of good. Now, that doesn't mean he wants you to stop doing it. What he wants you to do is get it on the right side of the cross. See, we think about repentance as repenting from bad stuff, but we've got to repent from some attitudes and some justification that say, like the older brother that says, man, I've been good and I haven't left and I've been faithful and I've done all of these things, so therefore God is bound to save me. No, he's not. No, he's not, guys. He saves those who find themselves in Christ, who have repented. What does repent mean? Repent means to turn. It means to transfer the trust. It means to move. So, so I'm saying, okay, I, I'm going to stand before God. Just say this was my life. I'm going to stand before God. God, really, I, I, I was a pretty good kid growing up. I've been a good dad. I, 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 I've tried to do the right things. I've attended church. I've served on boards. And, and, and I've tried to be nice to people. And, 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 and I've not broken too many traffic laws. And, and I've done good. Surely, if this is not enough, then nobody's going to heaven. But I have to believe that this is enough, God. And if this is enough, then you're going to just let me in. Guys, that's a self-righteousness that has to be repented of. See, I'm trusting in that. So I have to turn. I have to say I'm no longer going to trust in that. But I'm turning and I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ and His works only. You see, just like the prodigal son came to himself in the mire and the pit. See, he was hungry, homeless, and having a hard time. He knew he needed the Father. But when you're living at the home and everything's going good and you're not homeless and hungry and having a hard time, it's harder for you to see you need the Father. See, but the same repentance that the prodigal son had, the older brother needed to have, but we have no account that he made repentance. And he stayed where he was at. And he didn't enter the party, the feast. Now, 
Look with me at verses 1 through 4. I want to just move, continue to move through. <clears throat> Matter of fact, we're going through verse 10, Richard. <laughs> Brothers, <clears throat> my heart's desire and prayer to God, listen, for them is that they may be saved. God's, Paul's desire was what? God, I want Israel to be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God. They want to do what's right, but not according to knowledge. When we think about knowledge in the Scripture, too many times I'm afraid that we think about knowing something, knowing the facts about something, knowing the truth about something. But the, but the reality is, is when the Bible uses know, it's about relationship. The, the knowledge that they were missing was the relationship with God. You remember they never wanted it. Moses, you go talk to God. Moses, you go figure it out. Moses, we'll follow you. We don't want a relationship with God. They missed it. They had the rules. They didn't have the relationship. You and I can get caught up with a bunch of rules but not have the relationship. See, it's about knowing Him. And one person said this, and it's true. More importantly than Him knowing, than us knowing Him is that He knows us. That we're known by Him. Listen, let's, let's move on. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness because they were, they were trusting in their own goodness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now look at verses 5 through 8. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. There's no question that the commandments would have given life. But Remember what Paul did? Paul spent from Romans 1.18 to Romans 3.20 declaring that all have sinned come short of the glory of God and that there's no one good, not one. So you know what he established? He established, I don't, it doesn't matter to me how good a citizen you are. I, it doesn't matter to me how good of an American you are. It doesn't matter to him how good of a Jew you are. It doesn't matter to him how good of a, a Mexican you are. It doesn't matter to you how good of an Indian you are. The fact of the matter is, all of mankind needs a relationship with Jesus Christ in order to be made right with God. It's that simple. It's that, but yet we stumble over it, don't we? Now, verse 5, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says what? Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will ascend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. Listen to what Paul is saying, right? This is what Paul is saying. The, the, the Jewish people were so saying this. Because of us keeping the laws, because of us keeping what God gave us, because of us keeping all of our rules and our self-righteousness and, and all the rules that we made in order to keep the ones that God gave us, we don't need Christ to come. 
Why would we want to go bring him back? We don't need him to be brought down. And we definitely don't need Him to die for our sins because our sins are not worthy of God coming and dying. He would not have to be raised from the dead. But it's, need, it's not only would they be saying we don't need that because we're good enough, but they also would have been saying what? God, Paul is saying, you couldn't do that if you wanted to. Your works never equal God sending His Son and Him dying and being raised from the dead. We could never do enough works to equal that. We could never accomplish that. Nothing. Nothing. It took drastic measures for our sin to be paid for. Drastic. For God Himself to come. Live a life that you and I couldn't live that we're supposed to. Die a death that you and I should have died, but now we don't have to. And for God to raise him from the dead. Now look at verses 9 and 10. Man, these are some of our heartbeat of our verses that I'm afraid is misused. Because, let me back up to verse 8. But what does it say then? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. It's in us. That is the word of faith that we proclaim, we trust, we believe, we're there. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your mouth, what does the word confess mean? It means to agree with God about it. If we are confessing something, we, believe, we, we are believing in it. We are confessing, we're confessing Jesus is Lord. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord, though? It means that He is supreme over everything. It means that He is the superior fulfillment. Remember, y'all heard me quote my Psalm 1611 so many times. I love it because in His presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. You see, I believe this with all of my heart, that you and I are always longing and seeking something. And that something literally is our relationship with Christ. But the deal is, is you and I think it's something in this world, and we keep trying to fill it with junk down here. And then we find out what C.C.S. Lewis said, is that everything is emptiness compared to the preciousness of Christ. Nothing ever really fulfills but Him. He is the ultimate fulfillment. When we confess Him as Lord, we see that He's the superior fulfillment and satisfaction. He's the prize. He's the prize that we've been after. He's the, the great pearl that we've been searching for. He's the hidden treasure that we've been seeking. And we miss it. We just want a free card out of hell. Not understanding that Jesus is what we really want and desire and fulfills and satisfies us. Listen, he goes on to say this. Or I, I went ahead and I wrote some more. He said, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the beginning and the end. His name is above every name and every knee will bow and every tongue confess he's Lord. We confess, we agree with God about His person. 
who he is. This is who Jesus is. And we agree with that, God. We have found the prize. Remember some of the disciples when they first learned of Jesus? You remember they go get their brothers and their friends and say, You've got to come see Jesus. We have met him. We have met the man. We have met the prize. We have met. We, we're not getting. Listen, we're not. Listen, sometimes, guys, I, I know. Sometimes when people are having a hard life and a hard time, we want to say to them, just confess and believe. Let me tell you something. That ain't salvation. Salvation is not just confessing and believing. We just want to just throw people in. No, it's a relationship that says, I can't believe it. Thy eyes have been opened and I have seen the one and true superior prize that I've been looking for my whole life. And it's Jesus. You fall in love with Him. Fall in love with Him. It's that prize. But then look, it continued to say what? Believe in your heart. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. If we believe that God raised him from the dead, what do we believe? That he died. If we believe that he died, what do we believe? That he lived. If we believe that he lived, we believe that he was born. This goes back to that whole thing. Then if he was born, we believe that God sent him. So what are we believing? We're believing that God sent a Messiah, a Savior, a prize, the jewel, the great one to come and to live a life that you and I couldn't live, to die a death that you and I deserve. And then God raised him from the dead. You realize that when God raised him from the dead, it proved that Jesus had kept the law, was sinless, that God had accepted the payment for our sin. See, think about that. See, think about why that proof is. The penalty of sin is what? But Jesus didn't have any sin. Jesus didn't have any sin. The only way he could have died is in order to take somebody else's sin. It's the only way he could have died. And he took our sin. You say, well, how do you know it wasn't his sin? Because he couldn't have been raised from the dead had he had any sin. See, it was proof that he had been raised, that he was sinless, the resurrection. So God raised him from the dead, proving Jesus had kept the law, was sinless, and that God had accepted the payment for our sin. Notice we believe this in our heart. It is deep in us. We confess the person of Jesus and we believe and receive the works He did for us. Because of this confession and belief, we're justified and saved. Made to be a child of God. To have peace with God. To have favor from God. To have hope in the glory of God. To have trials that have a purpose. To never face the wrath of God forever. To be kept by Jesus, whoever lives for us to be adopted, welcomed, and loved by an eternal Father, and to never be separated from God because of the love of Christ that is in us. When we understand and agree who the person was in Jesus Christ and what He's accomplished for us. There's two questions for you this morning. 
It's possible that this morning you're a prodigal. And your life has been, you're like the prodigal. You, you woke up homeless, hurting, and a mess. It's like, I need something more, something different in my life. That same repentance that the prodigal made, turn and come to the Father, can be yours tonight, today, this morning, this afternoon, whatever this is. But listen, for some of you, you're a good, moral, American citizen. And that's where your trust is. Your trust is in your own righteousness. And you've got to repent of that and say, my own righteousness will never get me there. I am turning to Jesus only. Only He can make me right with God. Only His righteousness can give me that. So the question is, is which are you? Are you the prodigal that needs to come home? Give your life to Christ? Or are you the good moral person that says, Man, I just don't know that I believe that. I don't know that I believe that I need to do that. Listen to me, you do. You do. The ground is level at the cross for the prodigal son and his older brother. The ground is level at the cross for that one that's found themselves deep in sin and to that one that thinks they're so good. Wow. Now, let me challenge you with one more thing as the worship team prepares to come on. Sometimes there's a struggle for each of us that after we come to Christ, we want to revert back to not trusting in the gospel and living by faith, but we want to live by works again. We want to go back to that. Boy, and if you've been going down that road and you found yourself smudged and judgmental and keeping a checklist and not really in relationship with Christ, well, we need to... Repent and come back to Him again this morning. So let's stand and man, let's respond to God. I'm here if you want to talk. You want me to pray with you. I am here for you. In this time of desperation When all we know doubt and fear there is only one foundation we believe we believe in this broken generation when all is dark you help us Christ, we believe in the Holy Spirit 
and he's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that he conquered death. We believe in the resurrection, and he's coming back again. We believe. So. Scorned by the ones he came to save. 
to do we'll do one more song in communion but today we get to baptize okay so um craig and tabby if you all will come right on craig and tabby are going to baptize bruce first i need a microphone this is <laughs> All right. Hey, man. At Fuge Camp, um, at Fuge Camp, Bruce had a night where he um, raised his hand and 
So his parents said they've been talking. He's been talking to them about it for a little while, and then, um, and then there was another night when he raised his hand again, and I happened to be close where I could go to him, and I just went to him and I said, Bruce, I said, uh, when you give your life to Christ, you don't have to worry anymore. It, it, it's done. It's over. Peace is there. Freedom is there. And, and Bruce just broke in tears and began to cry. It's just a special time. All right, Mr. David Pig is coming. You can't stand there. <laughs> I promised you it was warm, didn't I? <laughs> ain't big enough. <laughs> All right, you hold your nose when you go back, okay? In obedience to the command of our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I am so thankful today to baptize David in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Thank you, David. Good deal, buddy. All right, guys, let's stand. And you have your communion. You know, it's that time. This is why I do communion every week. You say, you give us a thousand reasons why you do it every week. I know I do. It's true. But the reality is, is that I thought about this statement as they were singing. I thought about the message today. God never intended to make bad people good. God's intention was to make dead people alive. And when He makes dead people alive, man, we can celebrate that by the bread and the blood of Christ. Amen? We're alive. Let's do that this morning with this last song. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Cause Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper spots and melt a heart of Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. And then before the throne, I 
I stand in Him complete. Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall fail repeat. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin hath left the crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin hath left a crimson stain, He washed it white as snow. What a good time, amen. What a celebration. As they sing us out, guys, you all are free. Go and have a good day. Enjoy your time. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin hath left the crimson stain. Why is snow?